4: Welcome into the ultimate college football playoff preview presented by the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey. We'll be highlighting the best time of the year, the college football bowl season, by taking the most detailed look that you will find anywhere. I'm Zach Blackerby with the Locked On Podcast Network, and I will guide you through hearing detailed analysis from experts from our friends at BetQL and Odyssey, as well as some of our local hosts that cover these teams every single day. Expect detailed looks from the Sugar Bowl, Rose, Fiesta, Peach, and of course those semifinal games, the College and Orange Bowls. Today, we are zooming in on the Sugar Bowl, a showdown between the Ole Miss Rebels of the SEC and the Baylor Bears of the Big 12. For our first look at this game, let's go to Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins of Odyssey's The Daily Tip Podcast. (laughs) Zach, thank you very much, man. I'm excited about these
5: big-time bowl games because I've been watching things like the Myrtle Beach Bowl, bowls like that. I need some big-time bowl games, and let's start with the Sugar Bowl. Baylor minus 115 on the money line, taking on Ole Miss, minus 105 on the money line at BetMGM. Baylor is laying a point, and the total is set at 54-and-a-half, Chelsea. The total opened at 50-and-a-half, so money is pouring in on the over. Baylor, 9-4 against the number this year. Ole Miss, 7-4-1 and one against the number. How are you leaning here?
3: Yeah, who doesn't want to bet on an over here? And it's yeah. really tempting with this Ole Miss offense. that has looked really prolific at times during the season. But if you look at their scores uh, over the last five games, they haven't been super high scoring. Uh, Mississippi State was 31-21, Vandy 31-17, Texas A&M 29-19. So these are looking like NFL scores and not really the scores that we are accustomed to seeing from Ole Miss earlier in the season it was 52 51 against Arkansas so uh, we do have Matt Corral actually playing in this one which I think is the most exciting part of this entire bowl game because most of these quarterbacks were not seeing the big names uh, so Matt Corral is one of the top tier quarterbacks in all of college football so we should see some kind of offense from Ole Miss even though uh, I'm sure Baylor is a top tier defense compared to, you know, some of those teams that they have played uh, as of late, especially Vanderbilt. Like, let's let's not kid ourselves.
5: (laughs) Let's be honest when it comes to Vanderbilt. You know, what's interesting to me about this game is that it opened with the Rebels as a point and a half favorite, and now it's swung all the way in the other direction where the Bears are laying one. And I wonder if this has anything to do with Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. He is leaving. He is joining Brent Venables at Oklahoma, but it doesn't affect me at all. This is still Lane Kiffin's offense. Lane Kiffin is known for his offenses, and even though Jeff Levy might not be calling the plays here, I feel like Lane can take over, and it doesn't move the needle at all for me as far as worrying about Ole Miss.
3: Right, and Baylor, I will say, has an excellent run game, and it doesn't really match up um, well for Ole Miss because they're, a hundred and second in FPS against the the run when it comes to their defense. So maybe we will see some points. I keep trying to talk myself into an over because that's really the only thing I want to play in this one. Uh, but also, what will we see from Matt Corral? Is he motivated to be here? Is he really excited yeah. to put on a show? And I think he is. I think if he didn't want to be here, he would have opted out. And a guy that's really dynamic with his feet and... Uh, been battling some injuries all season long so maybe he's 100 healthy with this time off and maybe we'll see some fireworks from Ole Miss here so I'm really tempted to take Ole Miss and the over uh but talk me off of it talk me off of being a square better here
5: no I can't I'm on Ole Miss as well I think the line moved because of Levy leaving and I don't think that affects me at all when you look at Baylor you're talking about the 70th ranked pass defense in the country I think Matt Corral can pass all over them. And Baylor quarterback Gary Bohannon is expected to play, but he's banged up. He has a hamstring. You were talking about Matt Corral being healthy. He'll probably be healthy. We don't know about Gary Bohannon, so I'm maybe it's the square play, but I think Ole Miss getting a point is a steal, so I'm on the reps. Yeah, so Ole Miss, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Couple of squares. For more, subscribe and follow the Daily Tip wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen live Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern.
4: It's all on BetQL, your home for wager-tainment. Zach, back to you. Let's now turn our focus to Ryan Horvitt host of Bet MGM Tonight, about some interesting betting trends for the Sugar Bowl.
6: Thanks a lot, Zach. Always looking forward to bowl season, and we get a pretty good matchup here in the Sugar Bowl between Ole Miss and Baylor, two teams that would probably obviously rather be playing in the college football playoff, but this matchup on paper is perfect. You have Baylor, one of the surprise teams in all of college football. The year before, they go 2-7 and seven in conference play. This year, they finish with double-digit wins, 11-2 overall on the season. And if you're a better, they've been very, very profitable all season long in the underdog role. They have upset wins over Kansas State. They have an upset win over Iowa State, who I was really high on coming into the season. They were a top-10 team under Matt Campbell. And then they had the big upset victory over Oklahoma. Offensively, you know what they're going to do. They're going to look to run the football. They average more than 225 yards on the ground per game. And defensively, they're solid. They give up less than 20 points per contest. Ole Miss, also a pleasant surprise this season. They win double-digit games in just Lane Kiffin's second season as head coach. Their season win total heading into the year was one of my favorite plays because it was only seven and a half. They get 11 wins. They finish with 11 wins this season. Uh, A Heisman-like campaign from Matt Corral kind of ran out of steam a little bit there to end the season, but I think the play in this game from a betting standpoint would be the under. Even with a great play caller like Lane Kiffin, the under has been the strong play in games featuring Ole Miss all season long. They've played 12 games, the under 9-3 and in those games. Their defense great down the stretch in SEC conference play. They held their last seven opponents Uh, all under their team total. So you could also look at the team total for Baylor as well. They were a solid bet all season. They outscored their competition by eight and a half points in 2021. My play in this game, I'm staying away from the side, but I do really like the under. So I'd probably play the total, two really good defenses. And with the uncertainty, is Matt Corral going to be playing in this game? I think that that was the play to make right away. So looking forward to the game between Ole Miss and Baylor. Two surprise teams should be a really good one on New Year's Day.
4: And, of course, we can't talk about the Sugar Bowl and Ole Miss without mentioning Matt Corral and, of course, how the NFL Draft is going to view a lot of these players in the Sugar Bowl contest. So, introducing Ryan Tracy, host of Locked On NFL Draft.
0: This absolutely could be the highlight of the playoff experience, the one-on-one matchup that will happen in the Sugar Bowl between Ole Miss and Baylor. It comes down to Matt Corral a quarterback that has been up and down a little bit, needs to show consistency to really take that mantle of QB1 in this class. I do believe he is in the argument for most teams around the NFL for that number one spot with Kenny Pickett. He is battling Jalen Petrie, who is a safety of experience that can go all over the field. I like him better in the box and in a kind of a robber-type level. Can he play deep as well? He can play in coverage. These two guys manage what their offense and their defense respectively can do on the field, and they are the bellwethers as to how their teams perform. It is going to be a head-to-head matchup all day long at the Sugar Bowl, and honestly, this might be the most you're going to see out of both of them. They both have a chance to raise their draft stock. Corral 2QB1 for Petrie. Can he get into the first day uh, amongst those kinds of conversations around uh, Lewis Sign and Jaquan Brisker, obviously behind Kyle Hamilton, but obviously also in the conversation to be one of those top picks, a top 32 even in the possibility. There's a lot of variance. And for both these guys, solidifying their performance in the Sugar Bowl is something can go a long way towards getting them the next step along the draft process that will be confirmed here as we go on uh, through the All-Star Games and and through the actual evaluation process. Two guys head-to-head all day long that I'm looking forward to
4: at this Super Bowl. More of the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview is next.
1: Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
4: Let's now hear from some of our local hosts at the Locked On Podcast Network. Stephen Willis of Locked On Old Miss and John Neighbors of Locked On Big 12 give you another perspective on the Sugar Bowl. Hello,
1: everybody. Josh Neighbors here of Locked On Big 12. Stephen Willis of Locked On Rebels. This is a pretty interesting matchup because. This is one of those where each of these teams had really impressive seasons, and um, nobody feels like they're being snubbed from the college football playoff. Nobody's that concerned about opt-outs. So it's pretty significant, I would say, Stephen, for both both programs. Yeah, it's very,
7: very significant. Now, When you look at these schools, but also, is, the Ole Miss is the high-flying offensive team, and the Big 12 team is actually the ground and pound, like LSU yeah. from – 2012 team, so it's a nice stylistic difference between the two teams. I'm expecting a fairly good game.
1: Yeah, it's also interesting. You know, Lane Kiffin has had an affinity for former Baylor assistants, right? I mean, he's had Kendall Briles and Jeff Levy, who have both both were both coaches at, at Baylor. And obviously, that, that's a you know tumultuous time in Baylor's history. But like you mentioned, that's that's when Baylor was known for that offense, right? The mm-hmm. Bryles tree, their offense. Uh, you know, one of the uh, uh, more innovative and successful and still successful right now in the college ranks. So I think that's kind of an interesting wrinkle to this matchup too. Yeah, it should be a lot of
7: fun. Like Jeff Lebby is actually coaching in the game before he goes to Oklahoma. So that's how personal he is taking that Mm -hmm. kind of, because he just wants to coach against Baylor, which (laughs) I found to be fairly interesting. Right. Um, But the weird thing is this, after five years, this has kind of become the Lane Kiffin offense. Now, they bring the Baylor guys in to install the guts of it, the tempo and things like that to get in the offense. Then he kind of goes away from it because after year one at Ole Miss, Randy Clements was on the staff then. Joe John Finley was on the staff. They moved on. They were hired outside of the Baylor tree. So I think mainly the Baylor hire is for install purposes and then Mm -hmm. kind of Lane does his own thing with the offense.
1: Yeah, and you know that's the other interesting part of this too is there's two coaches here who were, for different reasons, rumored for head coaching head coaching jobs, um, elsewhere. And it's just because of the success of that I mean, you know, ten and two at Ole Miss. I know it's a school that aspires, you know, to, to those those heights, but it's really difficult in the SEC West. I mean, that is the is the toughest division in all of college football. There's no question about that. And what is the first. 10-win uh, regular season in, in program history. Mm-hmm. Um, this this game is, in a lot of ways, going to be a celebration of that for Ole Miss.
7: Yeah, I, I think so. If Ole Miss wins this game, it's the most games won in a season in Ole Miss history. Mm. As, as storied as they were back in the day. Now, a lot of that is because they played nine regular season games Right. Right. So whenever they were really good and just would beat everybody, it just didn't matter. They didn't play enough games of the season. But 11 regular season games, the Sugar Bowl, which means so much to Ole Miss fans and the Ole Miss program. I think Ole Miss is in position, this will be third in appearances in the Sugar Bowl history. And maybe if they win the game, they'd be second in wins. The game means a lot to um, Ole Miss fandom from back in the day when um, Ole Miss was going to the Sugar Bowl fairly consistently. So I, I'm looking forward to see what that means. When I get down to New Orleans, Ole Miss, get, Ole Miss fans are going to party. It, it's going to be a party. They're going to drink New Orleans dry. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, to see if that bleeds over into the game. How are the players going to react to it? I think they're going to be excited. Like you said, no opt-outs for this game. And with them being that excited, is I'm curious just – this could be a really exciting game on both sides, even the Baylor side of the coin. This could be a really well-played and a really exciting excitement-filled bowl game for a non-playoff game.
1: Yeah, and, and that is the one thing I also we want to touch on is the fact that you know it's a unique spot because these guys, they're playing. And we saw New Year's Six Bowls last year. The, the big one that comes to my mind was that A&M-North Carolina game. I mean, we got a preview of Sam Howell's offense this year, because none of the skill players wanted to be involved in that game last year, which was, you know, was, you know that was such an off- uh, fun offense to watch. That's not the case, and I think. Do you believe Matt Corral really set the tone for that when he said, "No, I'm I'm going to play"? Obviously, a guy who is a first round talent is going to be one of the first, at least in my opinion, three quarterbacks probably taken. I'd, I'd say he, Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett, are probably the three that you're going to see uh, have a good chance to go in that first round. Uh, you know, at least two of those three. Do you think he kind of set the tone with that and, and everybody else followed suit? Yeah, I think Matt Corral
7: is um, probably the greatest leader of a quarterback in Ole Miss history. Mm. Whenever he, he said, we all need to get vaccinated and the whole team mm. got vaccinated. So everything plays off of his um, decision. He he has such, such a control because he leads by example and he's such a good player and he just buys into – everything that's going on inside that building, which you don't see in college football very much these days. And it's going to help him whenever he advances to the next level. But yeah, I I think it was his decision and he led those guys down the road because we could have had opt-outs last year. We had Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa opt out of the Outback ball. There could have been easily um, some Outbacks or some opt-outs this year with like Sam Williams and people like that. But no, none of that seems to be happening, mainly because I think this is the Sugar Bowl, too. If Ole Miss right. would have gone to the Peach Bowl, it might have been a little bit different.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, you know, once again, I'm, I'm never going to knock those kids for doing it. Their future is the most important thing. Jake Butt is a great example of what happens sometimes, and I know it's a freak accident, but that's a guy who's going to be an NFL player, and I still think he's had a nice and okay NFL career, but, you know, tearing an ACL going into a draft is not, is not a great position to be in. Um, I will say this, I'm a huge, I'm a massive Matt Corral fan. Um, I think he was known as kind of the wild card, a big armed kid and, and, you know, all the talent in the world. But I will say this, and I think the Tennessee game is a good example uh, this year. The, the kid will do whatever it takes to win, like whatever it takes to win. And they, I thought they ran him way too much in that game. Uh, he was clearly, clearly... Not operating at even close to 100% as that game continued, stuck it out. And I think that's what you're talking about. Like, he is one of the people, and and from everything I've seen at Old Miss, from Old Miss fans and just kind of people, you know, on on Twitter that I follow that that are fans of the program, that he is beloved. I mean, he's absolutely beloved because of that leadership and because he does not seem to be, he, he does have a little bit of a cocky streak, sure, whatever, confidence streak, but like, it also always does seem to come back to the team. Like, this is not a guy who's who's out there on an island by his own. This is about the group. It's not, it's about the collective.
7: Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing, but I think the Tennessee game at the end of it is kind of what cost Matt Corral the Heisman Yeah, when he got hurt uh, because mm-hmm. the next three or four weeks he wasn't quite 100%. Everybody was allowed to pass him in the ranks, so that probably cost him the major award by him going completely all out and giving absolutely every grain that he had against Tennessee and it was needed. That game was needed. Yeah. And, and, and it was something, there's a huge win. And, but the important thing, whenever um he kind of got hurt, whenever that happened is you saw the emergence of the Ole Miss defense. Mm. And I think Ole Miss gave up over 20 points, like one time um for the rest of the season or something like that. And those guys building up and you saw a team, Start to really gel together now. I, I'd hate to know, or I'd love to know actually, um, <laughs> what this team would look like if Matt Corral would not have gotten hurt against Tennessee because if that mm-hmm. defense improved, I mean, you're looking at probably you know 11 and one because mm-hmm. they, they wouldn't have lost to Auburn. They heck, they had five trips in the red zone. Anyway. That
1: Auburn game was one of those where yeah. like Lane, take because in the end yeah. of the game, I mean, they would have been within one score if they'd kicked the field goals when they needed mm-hmm. to, right? And, the, and right. That was one of those where it's like I understand. I I, I we all get the analytics, man. We get mm-hmm. it, but like, at some point in time, you know, and at that point, we're all under operating the assumption that your quarterback's not one hundred ten percent. Like, take the freaking points, man. To take them, yeah. they're giving them. Just take them. Just take them. He got carted to the locker room. I right. mean, <laughs>
7: it's, it's crazy. And, and, but if there's a chance, Ole Miss should have won that game, man. But. Mm-hmm the analytics and w- I always joke with people lane has a couple of games a year and he did it with Alabama and Auburn this year where he plays the game like a 12 year old playing Madden. Right. Yeah, And just, that's just going to happen. And yeah, I mean, it is, it was one of those things. It is what it is. You yeah. take the good with the bad.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. With Lane Kiffin you do. And on the opposite mm. side, you'll know, get a little bit here about Baylor. What a season from Dave Aranda. They go two and seven his first year uh, at Baylor. And I always say this, um, he is one of the most introspective coaches, if not the most introspective coach in all of college football. He was very, um, harsh on himself about the staff that he brought in, made changes, Larry Fedora out. They bring in Jeff Grimes from BYU. They bring in Aaron Mateos, the offensive line coach. Their offensive line was one of the worst in all of college football in 2020. In 2021, it was one of the top 25 there towards the end of the season. Do they have top 25 offensive line talent? Probably not. They performed that way. Yes, they did. They got steady quarterback play all the year. Their defense, and I, I, I'll stick by this the best game that Baylor played all year was the game against Oklahoma, where, and I, I think, you know, there's a chance that maybe this game plays out that way because of how good of a coach um, Dave Aranda is. But a week after getting torched by Chandler Morris, back quarterback from TCU, he goes for 500 yards. They, they respond by going up against Oklahoma and the presumptive Heisman favorite favorite man of the year in Spencer Rattler. And also a midseason kind of weirdly Heisman contender in Caleb Williams, and they beat the brakes off them. They could not get anything going on offense. Um, and they made life miserable for them. And that just shows you that this team bought in. He really did make the changes he needed to make. Um, they had Abram Smith, who was a converted uh linebacker at running back for them and was one of the, one of the best. Uh, running backs in the entire big 12 conference a conference that is deep at running back every single team in the big 12 conference has good running backs and so for them to get to these heights this year and to achieve what they did was a testament to Dave Aranda it was a testament to the team buying in and and the changes that he had made so I think that is where I, I look at this game and I say these are two teams that are great stories right this is an Oklahoma State I'm Congratulations to them for making a new year six, but Notre Dame and Oklahoma State were both teams that had a potential shot at the college Ball playoff, and they're outside looking in. These are two teams right here that really did accomplish like they reached about all they could this year. I mean, they, they, you know, you said yeah, Ole Miss could go on eleven and one, but you know, kind of in the end, like ten and two. I mean, that is mm-hmm. if you look at the roster and look what they had coming to season, ten and two is a maximization of, of talent for for uh, for Ole Miss, and I would say you know, Baylor going what was it uh ten and 11-2, and two, whatever it was, uh, is a maximization talent for them also.
7: Yeah, I, like I said, this is one of those games that's going to be a lot of fun because Ole Miss is in the role of the traditional Big 12 team. Baylor's in the role of the tradi- traditional <laughs> SEC team. Right. And I think um, the offensive line coach from Les Miles, there's, there's, it's kind of like you talked about Dave Aranda. They just kind of leaned into that LSU from 2013 when he first got there and started building that as opposed to the chaos of trying to create the 2019 LSU team. Cause I think that's where, what he was trying to do in mm-hmm. 2019 or in 2020 last mm-hmm. year. Um, but you can see them just, it, it's, it's really cool. It just really is. I, I like Dave Aranda. Um, I think he was the heart bet- behind that 2019 LSU team. People don't talk about
1: the defense enough. That defense yeah. had to be good enough to win, and they were they were top thirty, and they, they played awesome uh, d- towards the back end of the season, and they basically did their job. Like they, you know, they didn't have to do everything, but mm-hmm. he coached a championship level defense, and that's not one of the best defenses that LSU's ever had.
7: No, because LSU's still trying to figure out play volume because that's the first year they really did tempo, mm-hmm. and you know, so Dave Aranda had to figure that out. To, as well. And it, 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 was a phenomenal job by Randa.
1: Yeah. And so in this game, Baylor, uh, one point favorites, uh, this game is on new year's day. I believe it is at eight 45 Eastern time as the start time. So seven forty five for all of you central folks out there. Um, and I, I think from what I can tell, I'm not sure how many opt-outs Baylor has in this game, but, um, I think the, the spread is interesting. Um, with you know just being at one point, Vegas seems to think this this game is pretty much a toss up, and I do believe it's kind of this high powered offense going up against a month or whatever however long it was, you know, nearly a month and and dozen plus practices of Baylor being able to say, all right, what are we going to do to shut down Matt Corral? What are we going to do to shut down? Because this Ole Miss offense to me, well, it is high powered. It's not. It doesn't have the horses that's had the outside. I know Drummond's been awesome, banged up during the year at some points, but like this is a team that I, I feel like the the guys in the backfield are almost a little bit better than the guys they have had outside this year. Yeah, um, all the all of the receivers and the tight
7: end got hurt in the middle of the season, right? I mean, yeah, it, it was the weirdest thing. So whenever they were all clicking at the beginning, they were all clicking early in the year, um, and you started to see them come back against Mississippi State um mm-hmm. at the end of the year yeah. so they'll all be back for the game um jonathan mingo is a big piece um on mm-hmm. that wide receiving group to go with Brandon sanders and dottario drummond casey kelly will be a surprise at the tight end position to pay attention to but you're right about the backs this team was built around jerry and ely that um henry parish and snoop connor and they're just the three-headed monster back there and People don't realize they, they assume Lane Kiffin and this Baylor offense and they're like, oh, this is just throw it around the yard. It's this not. team, this team runs 60, 65% of the time. <laughs> and I mean, they've led the SEC in rushing like the last two years. And it, this could be a fun game. This the tempo is what Ole Miss really is going to try and do in this game. They're going mm-hmm. to try and go really, really fast. Baylor wants this game to be 21 to 10. 21 to 14. Yeah. If it gets in the 30s, you start to wonder if Baylor has the horses to actually keep up. It's, mm-hmm. So it's going to come down to who can impose their will on the other team. Is it that low scoring game that Baylor wants, or is it a game in the 30s that Ole Miss wants?
1: Yeah. And let's make some picks here. So I think Ole Miss is going to win. Um, I just think this group's, I think they do get kind of that 30 number. I think they got a lot of time. They'll be fresher. And I think they can catch the Baylor defense early. And, you know, I'm not sure if if Gary, I think Gary Bahan should be able to play, but maybe they roll a Blake shape and it's going to be an open, I think it might be an open competition going into the next season. Uh, Gary did a good job this year, but Blake is, you know, pretty able, competent quarterback. We saw that in the first half of their big 12 championship game. So, th- you know, they might get both guys some run in this game, but I'm going to go with Ole Miss winning this one. How about you? Yeah, I'm. Going to, I'm going to take the
7: Rebels in this game. I think they're going to get, about a touchdown. I'm thinking uh, thirty-one
1: twenty-four. Yeah, I'm kind of right in that in that zone as well, Stephen. Where can people find you and the show and all of your work and its variety? Yes, I'm on the I'm the host of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast.
7: Um, we're available wherever you can find podcasts, and we have a YouTube channel that is currently being built. So whenever that's up, you'll get email. You'll get addresses on that on my Twitter. You can find me as you see below at the Stephen Willis, and I'm still waiting for the Locked On show. Twitter page as well.
1: You can find me at Josh neighbors underscore. You can find the show at LO big 12. You can find locked on big 12, wherever you guys get your podcast and on
4: YouTube coming up. Our national experts at BetQLU take over the conversation. (sighs)
8: Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com. We make getting custom window treatments, a minor project with major impact.
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter and
0: is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Imports Chicago, Illinois.
4: Now for a national approach to the Sugar Bowl, national experts at BETQL, RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright of BETQLU, break down the game from a national perspective
2: all right rj it is of course the south's answer to the granddaddy of them all it is the sugar bowl caesar superdome january the first late kick 7 45 the rebels of Ole miss coming in with a record of 10 and 2 baylor comes in the big 12 champion at 11 and 2 right now baylor opened up i believe is about a two-point favorite All the money thus far coming in on Ole Miss, they've now moved to a one-point favor. The total is at 55 points. I'm going to get the Baylor perspective from you because you're down in Texas. I spent time covering Ole Miss. My family are Ole Miss people. My wife is an Ole Miss girl. I can tell you one thing is unequivocally true about the Rebels. They care about bowl games. They are an unbelievable care about the bowl game team. Even Hugh Freeze, he lost one bowl game in which Allegedly, there were football players still in the strip club at 4 a.m. for an 11 a.m. kickoff in the Peach Bowl. Other than that, Ole Miss shows up for bowl games. This is one of those situations where I'm a little uncomfortable with how much I like Ole Miss in this game, but I really like the Rebels because this is a team that they're going to get Matt Corral to play. Most of the guys have already announced that they're going to play. The last time they were in the Sugar Bowl, kind of the last big moment for Ole Miss football over the last 5 6 years it was the sugar bowl in which they went all out against oklahoma state it's a new opponent they typically whenever they play the big 12 they always play oklahoma state so they get baylor this time these two teams were actually scheduled to open the season last year but of course with the covid changing the, the covid pandemic all that changing the way that schedules work and everyone just going to essentially a conference schedule that game got moved betql shows the game dead even 26 and a half to 26 and a half According to betting information thus far, the tickets 73% thus far are on Ole Miss, 74%, uh, 74% of the tickets, 74% of the money on the Rebels. This is one of those ones that I know we've talked about some of the trends that I look at when I try to make my decision. I think I'm ignoring it in this one because I really like Ole Miss.
9: You know, I, uh, I have struggled, honestly, I have struggled with this game because, you know, for a long, long time, a long time, if you played the sec in the sugar bowl, it was like going into a buzzsaw lion's den. Yes. Like you were going to get destroyed. That's just the way it was. Now things started to change, you know, when, like when Utah, uh, when Utah beat Alabama and when West Virginia beat Georgia, like that's when it started to shift a little bit, but I think it was when the, so culturally the
2: same way that the PAC 12 and the, the big 10 historically feel about the Rose bowl. It's the way that sec people feel about the sugar bowl. It was the creme de la creme for them. It was all about getting to the sugar bowl, get to the sugar bowl, get to the sugar bowl. And then when it started to be a situation where whoever showed up at the sugar bowl, it felt like a consolation prize or yeah. like a participation trophy. You started to see a lot of apathetic sec teams. There's one team though. I can tell you, they're not going to be apathetic to be there. Ole Miss is going to bring droves of fans. Like, they care about this game. I mean, I remember covering this team back in 2015, and they were selling shirts uh, of the return to New Orleans, the return to the Sugar Bowl, all this. I can tell you the same sense and enthusiasm
9: is, is surrounding Ole
2: Miss yeah. right
5: now.
9: Well, you know, Matt, the good, the good thing is that, you know, Corral's playing, um, but is he playing playing? Like, is he going to run? Is he going to use his legs? He's already hurt his, he already hurt his knee this year. And his ankle and his uh, and, foot, yeah. And he's gonna have. He has a unique opportunity. Like there is no clear cut number one pick for from a quarterback perspective in the draft. And I still refuse to believe that any team is gonna be dumb enough to take any position a quarterback at number one in the year twenty twenty one that we sit in. And it'll be twenty twenty two, I guess. Like it just makes no salary cap sense to take any position but quarterback number one. Uh, so. He's got a chance to be the number one pick, whether he deserves it or not. Like, is he going to sit there and be running all over the field? I don't know. I'll say this about Baylor. Baylor is like, they're a good team. They had no business being a top 10 team this year. Compared, I mean, look who they were last year, right? They had no business doing that. I mean,
2: really, the the conversation surrounding Baylor last year was, is Dave Aranda a coordinator, not a head coach? A defensive-minded coach that gets a head job, and the job looked to be too big for him. Give him all the credit in the world. Made the necessary staff changes that he did. And, you know, even in their two losses this year, they really, really choked that TCU game away. Yep. But there was no shame going into Stillwater
9: and losing. No. None. No, No shame at all. Uh, they're they're a good football team. Uh, they're a well coached team, and they're gonna try. They're gonna try because this is a big game for Baylor. You know, Baylor's other big games have come like, oh, they made the Cotton Bowl. You know, it's like right up the road from Waco. It's an yep. hour away. Um, no, this is like you, you, they don't go to the Sugar Bowl. Baylor doesn't go to the Sugar Bowl like ever. Uh, so this this is a big game for them. And Dave Aranda strikes me as the guy who. Does not half, half-ass anything. The dude's in shape, man. Look, he's these college coaches They don't have to be in shape. That dude, like, lives in the gym. Okay? He's got, like, that translucent, thin skin that you tell, like, just the guys who just sit there and yes. just work out all day, right? Like, you, you know those workout like, Work out and watch film. Work out, watch film, crushes three gallons of water a day. Like, that, to yeah. me, is Dave Miranda, right? Like, everything is, is, is 100%. Yeah, I he see- carries the milk jug of water. He does. He absolutely does. Uh, I do too. It doesn't work for me, though. Uh, It just does nothing for me, but I still carry it because I want to look the part. Uh, And I'm not. But Dave Aranda is all about the intent. It's, yeah, 100%. You know, you fake it as much as you possibly can. But Dave Aranda is, he is the guy that doesn't, you know, he doesn't give things away. This is going to be a dude who is going to get his team hyped for this game. I do not think this is the one non final four game that I think you can guarantee that both teams will play for. Like, this is it. This is that game. Both teams will come to play in this one. No,
2: I I think to me, actually, one of the more interesting questions is, what does Baylor do at quarterback? Because I I think actually, like when we talk about it with Corral, I think a normal human being would – treat this exactly like you and i are which is hey man like at worst i'm gonna probably be the second quarterback taken let's make sure we get to pro day healthy and i can put on the show whatnot this kid only has one speed man like he is he is the guy that if he's on the field like they had to preach to this kid you have to learn to slide you have to learn Mm -hmm. to slide this is a kid that played baseball like so he knew how to slide like it was just that's just the way that he's wired but the thing that's more interesting to me is I really love Blake Shapin. the the young freshman that was one of the best high school baseball players. They get him out of Louisiana, could be some home game vibes here. You never know. I love a good home game vibe for a a guy returning to his home state to play in the big bowl game. Or do they go with Gary Bohannon? Because I actually think the best way to attack Ole Miss is probably more with Shapen, And they play they play more coverage. Than they do because they they like to they, they operate with a whole bend to it, don't break. With Bohannon, it feels like Baylor wants to try to line up and run right at you. Ole Miss has proven to be pretty good at stopping that for the most part this year or at least getting you into the red zone and having to kick field goals. I think, though, with shaping, it might open things up a little bit more, and that might be the best way to attack their
9: defense. You know, if you can, if you can get a guy with, uh, with a cannon for an arm, that's never a bad thing when it comes to football at the quarterback position, especially and, if he knows where he's throwing it. Yeah. Right. I mean, seriously, that, 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 is, that is huge. I mean, you don't want that Joe Milton uh, who throws just majestic incompletions. They are some of the best incompletions that you'll ever see, but he's just, they're in the third row. Uh, <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want that. But you do want, you know, no, it, it, it's it, very, Chris Lee. Leak- Chris Leak
2: used to throw that really pretty high spin, high spin rate in completion. Yeah. Joe Milton throws like the powerful, like, oh my God, that guy has a cannon. Yeah. And then he realized it was
9: 15 yards yeah. from whoever he was trying to throw to. It's literally like he's at the combine on every throw. Yes. He's trying to show the scouts how hard this guy could throw it. And it is, it is, it's, it's a treat to watch. Uh, and especially if you're a fan, lucky enough to catch the ball in the 11th row, you get to keep that football maybe, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Chapin brings a unique aspect to this game. Uh, I mean, you saw what he did in that Big 12 t- you know, title game where he was completing pass for pass for pass. And that just doesn't happen. That never happens. And, and it, was, it was impressive to watch. Uh, another aspect
2: about this game, the point total right now is currently sitting at 55. You wouldn't think it with Lane Kiffin. However, his team, especially in conference play, was a remarkable under team. In 12 games this year, the under hit in nine of them for Baylor on the flip side in 13 games this year, the the under hit seven times. So seven out of six on the over or seven out of 13 for Baylor nine out of 12 for Ole Miss. Again, currently right now, Baylor getting a point right now about 74% of the money and 73% of the tickets are thus far on Ole Miss. 97% of the money so far is on the over. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. Thus concludes the Sugar Bowl preview.
4: Well, there's everything you need to know about the Sugar Bowl. Thank you for tuning in to the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview. On Monday, we will preview the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl, right here on the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview.